Welcome, everyone, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host, Tyler Yonke. On today's show, the Tour of Colombia, the Tour de la Provence, the Tour of Folsom. No, just the Folsom Crit. This year, we are back to real-sized cherry pies at the Cherry Pie Criterium. Some things that make you go, hmm, some winners and losers. And this week, I bash teachers, firefighters, the clergy, and small furry kittens. All coming up, episode 160 of the Between Two Wheels podcast. Welcome everyone, episode 160, we're trying some new intro music, I don't know, do you like, uh, you like the cult? I do, uh, we'll see what happens, uh, maybe give your suggestions for who you would like to have for some intro music and some other things, anyway, Between Two Wheels Podcast, thank you everyone for joining us, I thought at first we should probably, I'm not going to bash firefighters, teachers, clergy, small furry kittens, I mean those are all wonderful things, are they? I have issues with every single one of those, as you can possibly imagine. This week, though, I thought maybe I'd just do a real quick uh, recap of kind of some comments from last time, and we'll we'll have those in some of our mailbag. Look, last time we, we had a lot of comments on our episode 159. If you didn't uh, see that before, check that out, especially the YouTube one, because we, we throw out there the body cam uh, and the dash cam video of uh, the, the resting officer uh, for Javier Lopez. Uh, was that his name? I believe so. Um, in Florida, ran a stop sign, got arrested for it. Uh, I thought it was egregious. Anyway, look, um, I appreciate all the comments. Actually, I do. Most of them were respectful. Some of them were insightful. Um, sometimes there was a combo of those. Uh, some things, you know, a little degrading on YouTube as well. Uh, we didn't need all that. But uh, look, some comments were more in line with what I expected. And to name, some of them called the, <laughs> the police names. And a few slurs thrown at cyclists. Uh, that was all not uh, necessary. But all welcome and uh, all expected for YouTube. So that's what we get. Facebook as well. Uh, look, if you want to make fun of men wearing Lycra out in public and riding their bikes, I'm the last guy to stop you. I mean, in fact, if you want to hear that type of abuse, if I want to hear that type of abuse, I just usually go home and uh, listen to my wife. She can make fun of me dressed in that clothes all the time. So that's really not a problem. But look, the point of the last episode was really about um, defending the cyclist. It wasn't actually about defending him. It wasn't even a defending the officer or kind of calling out the officer. It's mostly about... Um, what I thought was an aggressive behavior by the police of arresting this guy, you know, blowing the stop signs, you know, uh, not, look, I'm not going to defend cyclists for wearing mirrors and, and all these other things. There, there, the point was um, this particular arresting officer, he, I thought he was, he did something unjustly. And how are we to basically, we're at the mercy of him. You know, he's not Barney Fife, but he's not RoboCop. And so whoever pins that badge on there and decides to haul someone into uh, into jail for that, you know, there's there could be consequences both ways. Well, my feeling was there's not as much consequence on one side as there is on the other. Lastly, I'd also like to point out each side, you know, this political spectrum, possibly we can be more accountable for our current environment. I think we are. Um, anyway, to say my commentary was... Uh, <sighs> Was it incendiary? Possibly. Um, look, I, I talked to one police officer out there uh, on our ride on this weekend. Nice gentleman. He's probably what I would consider the exception to the rule. He had a, he had a, quite a few things. He was. He says, look, we don't have quotas where I'm at. 
we don't put protect and serve in there. Um, what if this kid actually um, goes to court and he admits to, you know, he saw the officer and wave. Yeah, I, th that's another thing. I, but I, you know, look, we all saw this issue and I just think that um, it, it could have been done much better. Uh, I think the police officer just had something in mind and, you know, he saw the kid and that's what he was going to do. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, look, I'll say, you know, some say that my commentary wasn't kind to the police. I'll say that. And I had better watch myself out there. And if that doesn't make my point, I don't know what else does. Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. Is that, is that where we're going on this? All right. Maybe we should start out with the Tour of Columbia six-day stage race. I'm going to highlight this in the Tour de la Provence in France. Tour of Columbia is obviously in Columbia. Uh, Provence one is down in uh, Provence region there in uh, France. I'm going to highlight both of these because they're. I think they're. they both had some cool um, results uh, and for different reasons, just kind of spectacles. Pretty exciting way to start the season uh, actually in both of them. So I have a little highlight video we're gonna kind of run here and I'll talk about it for both of those. Uh, maybe we can make sure to get that all set up just right. Um, but the six day stage race in Columbia, it, had, uh, it was either climbs or it was sprints. And the sprints were taken all by the same gentleman from the UAE. Well, it also had a team time trial, a little Merck style, started out stage one, uh, one by EF, Education First, a little hint of things to come. Now, you saw them, too, in the uh, Colombian Nationals, the road race. They won that. I think they won the time trial. And so those guys down there, they were already firing on all cylinders and on their in their homeland. They got a big race coming. And so um, EF has what, two, three, at least three Colombians that were in the top five there. Uh, Given away the, the results. But anyway, they won the TTT, uh, followed by Dequan Quick Step, Ineos, and Rally. And it was all Merck style. So then stage two, you had UAE sprinter Milano Benavides of Colombia over Hodeg of Dequan Quick Step, and then Einhorn of Israel Cycling uh, Startup Nation. Note of that, uh, Colin Joyce of uh, Rally was seventh on the day. Um, you're going to see Israel Startup Nation. They're, they're, they can't hit the, the win, but they're really knocking at the door on these sprints, from whether it's San Juan whether it's here. And so they've been, they've been doing a really good job in, in uh, Australia as well. Uh, but rally good, good showing by them. Like I said, they were fourth in the time team time trial. They were, uh, Colin Joyce getting up here in the, in the finishing, uh, stage three was more the same from Milano UAE winning again and Israel startup nation. Um, Travis McCabe gets uh, eighth place on that. And let's maybe go to some of the highlights that we had for, uh, when we, well, for, for, for some of this, for down in Columbia on stage four, first of all, starting off, and we're going to just see a little bit of, it's going to be, you can see from 13K out, this was a climbing stage. So all the teams, it's it's like, I don't know, last 6K or so, it was pretty nasty climbing. Um, all the teams, to coin a quick step, they're hammering up with 13K to go. No one's out off the front. Uh, you've also got... Um, Ineos fighting for position here, and we'll, we'll end up skipping around on some of this here, but um, you can just, the, the riders are full-fledged, and then they hit the climb, and Ineos, so you're going to see this over and over, Ineos on the front, they've got Carapaz, 5K to go, Carapaz is on the front, he's drilling it, you've got um, Bernal, I'm not sure who the other other rider is with them, and then you got EF queuing up behind, you had a Dequina quick step with Philippe. he was also in the mix, he was looking pretty good as well, but uh, you know, EF they they uh, pretty strong. Um, 
the coin of quick step, you know, they're not going to have, they had jungles there. They had Alaphilippe. So you had two decent climbers, but you know, look, any of these uh, early stage races, it's always the case. You don't know exactly who is going best for who, uh, and, and who's really, you know, queued up for it on, uh, the early season, um, five to go. You got Carapaz on the front. He's weaving back and forth. He's got Alaphilippe on his wheel. Danny, uh, Fernandez, um, I'm sorry, Martinez is behind him. He crosses over, takes <laughs> Martinez out, spills, Huguita has to, to curve around Cuadrado, Cavado of, uh, actually Huguita makes it the other, uh, cyclist for EF Cavado, I think his name is, um, he go, almost goes down. Those two guys end up having to chase and, and, and you got Carapaz on the front here who didn't go down. He just knocked over Martinez. He just keeps the, the, the pedal on. You can see here, if you're end up watching this replay of the crash, Martinez is kind of going, he looks over to his right, but then man, Carapaz just on his front wheel pretty bad there okay three to k to go you've got carapaz once again still just drilling it on the front here actually it looks like bernal is on the front with carapaz kind of sitting on his wheel i'm not sure what the the plan was here but then you've got three or so um ef guys uh um, all set up behind you have some continental gentlemen in here look Haguida, you should take a look at him the way he rides i don't know if it's his setup maybe he's just so small but um it kind of looks like he's riding an extra big bike because his handlebars are a little bit up 2k you get another uh, continental rider taking off and carapaz ends up just hitting out and carapaz takes everyone by storm look this guy won the giro last year he's no no short shrift on on what he can do but he takes off and a little bit of weirdness here from ef you have three guys cavado is on the front with martinez in uh second place followed by alaphilippe and then haguita followed by bernal and so bernal's not going to do any chasing of his own teammate 2K to go. This um, Carapaz still off the front, and you don't see a necessarily a real big concerted effort by EF. Now, I don't know if EF really knows at this point who their outstanding guy is going to be. They end up uh, doing pretty well overall, but they don't they don't really necessarily have a, a concerted effort as to who the main guy is. The, the Cavado, Cuivado, he seems to be the, the lower end of the totem pole for those three of uh, Haguita and Martinez. So he does a little bit of extra work, but um, still not quite sure who the others are. And, and look, who ends up saving the day for them here is going to be Alaphilippe. They're inside a K. Uh, Carapaz actually has this win. Pretty much looks like it's in hand. Um, he's looking pretty solid. And who is going to be chasing him? It ends up being Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe comes up inside the last 150 meters two, three, sorry about 300 meters here once again ef never really concerted an effort to chase but alaphilippe i think he maybe gets ahead of himself as to what his abilities and what other people can do but here's where you're going to see higuita this guy has kind of been maybe he's the new valverde on the block um alaphilippe sprints up keeps looking back looking back he can't get rid of higuita bernal's sitting on the wheel too Alaphilippe comes through, and then Higuita just punches it, takes over, pulls through. Alaphilippe ends up not having anything left, and Bernal actually takes him on the line with Higuita being able to post up quite nicely for the finish and the stage win on the day for uh, episode, or sorry, stage number four. So good for him. He um, he takes that. You got Alaf uh, Higuita winning that, Bernal in second place. Alaphilippe, overall, Higuita takes the lead, and he's going to take that. And can he hold that in? Well, they have a pretty good team to uh, to hopefully um, allow him to do so. So, 
Okay, so I'm going to set now up some uh, other video here of the last few stages that we had. We've had stages six, five and six coming into the finish here, and you're going to end up basically seeing uh, the same exact type of thing with uh, the gentleman here. So you got stage five, not such the best quality of video. Uh, you ended up having a quite a quick step guy off the front. I think it was Rukesi followed with um, Bob Jungles. And Jungles, they have just a little bit of a gap coming into the last. But UAE is not going to have it. They just had their Milano guy slaughter everyone in stages, what, two and in stage three. So he's looking to get back on form. And you're going to have Israel Startup Nation. DeCorner Quickstep obviously is in here. But this uh, Milano guy, he's, he's, I don't know if he's the next great. It's hard to tell sometimes with these, these races that are kind of, you know, we're spread all around the country, all around the world, actually, with different spots. And they're coming into the last few bit here. And, and this Milano guy ends up winning a bunch of stages. But who is he racing against? You know, he's not against Gaviria. He's not against Cavendish. Even though um, Bob Jungles uh, tends to do a lead out here. You got Startup Nation. They're hitting off on the one side. And they come into kind of a weird chicane corner here. Rukesi on the front. And Israel Startup Nation is bumping and grinding. You have Travis McCabe in there. You have some rally. And next thing you know... You got Milano taking the win for UAE, his third stage win of the race. Pretty impressive. Um, he might be the next next guy. I need to look maybe a little bit more into him. He might be the next guy that we're going to be looking for, for uh, Milano Benavidez, Hodag, Restrepo, McCabe, Colin Joyce, the two guys in the top 10 there, all the way down to Chavez and some of these others that uh, top 40. Higuita, Martinez, Martinez, sorry, in second, Cuadro in third, Bernal in fourth. And then you're coming into the last stage, stage six of the race, last three kilometers, pretty exciting. Um, you got this, now look, so Ineos has finally figured out, they're, they're thinking it's going to be Bernal, okay? So you've got um, Ineos is leading out for him. you got a few of the guys sending their guys up the road. And what you're actually going to see here is Bernal doing a ton of work on the front once Carapaz decides that he is no longer and these guys are flying but one thing to kind of really look at this is what is impressive about the tour of columbia is just the crowds the massive crowds up and down all the way up this climb and even in the last 3k it's just chaos i don't remember if you saw last year the final day was similar where the the crowd was out of control they couldn't keep them off the barriers they couldn't keep them out of the road uh, they took down several riders uh, at one point. The, the crowd was all in there. Last 2K, Egon Bernal comes to the fore, and he just decides to light it up. It's Egon Bernal pulling. There's two guys still off the front that they're trying to catch, but I don't think they were too concerned with them because there was a little jockeying back and forth before those two guys ended up going up the road. They were both Continental riders, and what you end up seeing here is that uh, – Bernal just takes the four, comes past these riders, and he's got three riders in tow. You've got Higuita, who's at this point the overall leader. You've got Martinez, who is the overall second place. Then you have Cavado, who is uh, third place, I believe, going into this point. And then Bernal in fourth place. And he's trying to get rid of any of these guys he can. And they don't really have to do much. It's all a defense here. Um, they just have to basically say, hey, we'll just try to hold on as best we can and you get rid of us. And damn, Bernal is doing everything he can. I don't know if these guys are climbing in their big ring, but they are flying up this climb. And Bernal is doing everything he can to uh, dislodge them. And Higuita 
resplendent in an orange jersey just sticks on there. And then you've got Martinez and then Cavado uh, in last place. A little more of a struggle. Uh, feel gaps start to open up on him. And then there's uh, another rider. I'm not sure his name, but he was a continental rider as well. For now, look, probably one of the, as we've mentioned here, especially with the Tour de France last year, probably one of the best riders, uh, climbers in the world at this point. And he's in his home race. I don't think he came in quite. I know. I think he'd had a wreck previously. I don't know if he was quite to the spot where everyone else was. So now you start having Danny Martinez um, go up into third place around Cavado because I think he's a little concerned about him. And and Martinez, uh, you know, there's a chance that Bernal could get any of these riders because he was maybe 20, 30 seconds off of um, second place or third place. So he was going to do what he could to to dump this. Like I said, Bernal, maybe one of the best riders, uh, climbers of, in the world at this point. But he's got three ef riders on his wheel not getting dropped you don't you don't see that and i mean jonathan vodders um you know he's kind of i don't know if he's the oakland a's right now uh you know they're, they're back in their Moneyball days where they're always picking up kind of some, some people they're doing, doing doing the best that they can with what they have but he has tapped in and you've got these three climbers from columbia uh at least early on in this year really really impressive and Higuita last year you know Higuita came in and came up uh, halfway through the season signed with them came and did the tour of California was able to hang on to Pogacar and up uh, Baldi and then uh, won a stage also at the Vuelta a España last year for them so he had a he had a wonderful season and he's a little guy if you look at him on this bike he's not very big and once again, you'd think here, so Bernal's leading them into the last, you know, few K. It's still the climb is pitching up, up, up. And you have now uh, Covado has been, been distance. You've got Danny Martinez and Higuita just still staying on his wheel. Higuita's a little guy, man. It's a tiny bike he's riding. Uh, but you'd think maybe what if EF, if they had the, the ability, because do they want to go for the stage win or do they just want to get the overall win? And, you know, maybe they want to do both. Um, if, if you're Bernal is doing everything he can to climb onto the podium and he's still just stretching his lead out as far as, you know, trying to, to do all the work. He's, he's stretched it out over Cavado who he's been able to distance a little bit, but he's not been able to actually dump everybody else quite yet. And then you're expecting, um, EF education first here to oh, watch out for the, the, the riders and Bernal's kicks once again. And at this point you're going to see Danny Martinez. And you're going to see Higuita. And I don't know if Higuita and, and, or Martinez was trying to get, because he was only down, I think, eight seconds or so off of Higuita. So he was trying to go <laughs> for the overall. He's also going for the stage win. And in the end, you get Danny Martinez going one, Higuita going two, but not enough time to change the overall. And then you get Bernal in third place on the finish for the day. With that, you get an amazing uh, top here for ef education first they get first they get second overall and i believe they get fourth as well so danny martinez in the stage guida second bernal third flores heard and then coeto of ef in fourth place there all the way down uh oscar sevilla 14th place i think he's like 50 years old rigoberto uran another colombian 21st place and lastly of the overall Higuita wins the overall. All right. Well, that's the tour of Colombia. It was very impressive to see, like I said, the crowds, the racing that you had there. 
And um, I don't know if it's possible to at some point move racing to Columbia just completely. <laughs> Maybe what we're going to have to do because I, the, the crowds are so amazing and the, the spirit is so exciting down there for, for what you have that it looks like possibly that that's going to be the big boom. Maybe it's going to be to the point where you're going to have, you know, everyone is going to just uh, queue up for um, the tour of Columbia. And that's going to be, you know, it happened in the 80s. It was a big deal. They had Cafe de Columbia with this whole team. They had Kelme. They were a bunch of Colombians there. Colombians came in on postal service. I mean, and they've been throughout, but they kind of waned their, 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 their uh, significance in the Peloton as it's been. And so it's been pretty exciting. I mean, look at the up and down. You got the sprinter. You've got uh, the climbers. And uh, for EF education first, it's got to be pretty exciting for to, to see what this is happening. All right. How about the Tour de la Provence? This is in France, like I said, four-day stage race, including a stage at Mont Ventoux. The Mont Ventoux stage only went up to the chalet. You might remember a few years ago when they had um, Chris Froome fell. They had the wreck with Richie Port. They go into the back of the motorbike. People, uh, Chris Froome is running up the road. Well, that's where they ended up that day. Uh, Thomas DeGent, I think, ended up winning on that day. Uh, the, the the final day, the stage up there, not the final stage, but that stage up there up to uh, halfway up. They did not go to the top that day in the tour because that, I think, was that's 2017 maybe? Um, because they won, or 2018, because they wanted to, or they couldn't because of the high winds. So they had all this crowd pushed down lower slopes. And, you know, instead of spreading it out 21K, it was all back in the, the bottom 9K there. Anyway, so this race, there's probably snow on the top of on two. So they're, they're going to go up there. Anyway, stage one starts out. You got a sprint going on here. The bad boy of French cycling, well, bad boy of cycling in general, one Nasser Bohani, stage one sprint. And it's got some bendy roads. He did a good job of popping himself out and getting the win for um, Arkea Samsic. Little note of things to come. Uh, good for him. And then stage two, up and down most day with the finish uphill in the last 2.3K. And we're going to start off with some of the highlights for that. And uh, look, you've got uh, Vlasov, I think, uh, for um, uh, Astana and... Here we go. And he, he ends up taking <clears throat> some time. He, he, he hands out. He ends up getting the win. Everyone else just kind of, it, it was a weird day for watching the actual climbers because even though it was a climbing stage, you had Bargui getting kicked out. And it just, I think it wasn't maybe possibly uh, hard enough for everyone. And then you end up uh, seeing kind of a mishmash of riders coming into the finish for the rest of them, not. Wilco Kelderman, Thibaut Pino was kind of in there. Sepkus is kind of in the back section, but uh, it wasn't too much of an impressive split off. If you, if you watched any of the video on that, you're going to see that the, the the climb just wasn't hard enough to make that uh, much of a new. So, yeah, Vinikurov, I'm sorry, uh, Vasov, Wilco Kelderman, uh, Magnus Court, some of those others are there. All right. Profile for the next day, as you can see there, it ends up on Mont Ventoux. And we start off on Mont Ventoux stage with coming into it. It's not a, not a long stage, but you've got, oh, there you go. So you see the last 9K kicks up to the top of the climb there and up to the a Cat 1. They're, they're giving that a Cat 1 billing. All right. Remy Cavagna, you might remember, he, he's off in a break. He's got 30-some K to go. 
he's sliding around these corners and you're like, oh, I, I remember Remy Cavagna. Yeah, Tour of California. Look look how I corner, <laughs> corner here. I don't know how to go down to the row left-hand corner. Okay, and I'm showing some of this uh, of Remy Cavagna in the Tour of California and his descending, only to kind of compare it to what he was doing now. He ends up, I don't know if he did some off-season training, but man, he is taking much different lines. You can see he's sliding over he's actually committing to the corners which is part of the problem that he was you were seeing him before he wasn't committing he was more upright and man he's really uh at this point bending himself twisting over and giving himself a much better opportunity to get down the road and and getting down the road in a in a in a way that uh doesn't look like it's going to kill him all right so 30 some k he hits the climb 9k to the finish and he's already got about two and a half minute lead at this point. He had had his lead up to around five minutes. So you're like, uh, can you do it? You know, I think uh, Eros Poli, I don't know if you remember that name back in the 80s or 90s, he had taken 20 some minutes over the top of Vontu. And actually the finish of that day went over the top and that he ended up by the top of that climb, um, holding on to like a minute or two. And I think he won the stage. Anyway, 7K to go here. This is kind of where you're going to see a resurgence of Nairo Quintana. He's got, you know, some decent climbers in here with him. Vlasov of Astana is there, Lutsenko. Uh, but you got Nairo Quintana, Sepp Kuss right in the mix here, Hugh Carthy, uh, Thibaut Pino. And our guys are already getting split off the back. And um, you have Nairo Quintana just having his teammate 7K here pushing it. Remember, they only have to go, you know, halfway up this, this climb, so it's not such a bad deal. But... Nairo Quintana, you know, he hasn't really been the, the bold, bold rider that he was back in 14 to 16 or so. And here he goes. He hits it, and Sepkus decides to go with him. It's probably to Sepkus's ultimate demise as far as top, top in this race because he can't do it. And it's wisely he actually sits up, but he should have actually probably sat up a little bit more because then you see Nairo. Nairo here, 7K. He is blitzing himself up the road, and he is not to be seen again. Behind, you got Lutsenko, you got Hugh Carthy, you have a few uh, Thibaut Pinots getting distance. Vlasov, who is the, the Astana rider that was in the leader's jersey uh, up to this point, he's already been distanced, but you know, Sepkos decides that he's going to continue out, and uh, Lutsenko. Lutsenko has been in the news lately. Maybe you remember him. He was the one that was rumored along with his teammate, um, Jakob Folsong, to have been working with uh, Dr. Michele Ferrari. By the way, he doesn't <laughs> take a look at Q Carthy, super skinny climber, uh, Sepkus, little guy, little climber, um, Nairo Quintana, another little climber, Lutsenko, that's not so much. He's a little bit different uh, body build than you uh, would expect from those others. 4K, Nairo's lead has been now growing up to a minute. Uh, very impressive. He just keeps putting the pedal down and getting further and further. Vlasov has now decided to step it up. I don't know why he was having trouble to begin with, but he ends up pulling himself back up to Lutsenko and Hugh Carthy, who have now gone through Sepkus. Sepkus is back with... Um, there's a Ineos rider. I'm trying to remember his name. We'll get that probably here at some point. Uh, Thibaut Pinot is another one. And then Sepkas. Sepkas still, uh, during this climb, he keeps trying to get away from the group he is and up to Hugh Carthy. He can't quite do it, but he's got enough punch in him that he, you can tell he's just, he's almost there. And I think you give him a few more years. First of all, this is a pretty impressive climbing group that you have in general, uh, especially with Nairo there. Nairo ends up putting the time up to this section i think he ties it or he beats it overall for the best time 
Hugh Carthy tries to drop Lutsenko and Vlasov several times. Like I said, Nairo ends up getting the fastest time recorded up to the chalet, I think, at this point, or at least ties it. Uh, some things to keep in mind. This is, you know, typically when they're doing Mont Ventoux, you're going to do, um, he's inside 200K, but you, when you're doing Mont Ventoux during the tour, it's, you know, stage 10 to 15 around there, and you've already been worn down. You've done a long stage. This is not the same thing, and typically the time's all the way up to the top as well. So, uh, look, first thing, your your reaction might be, oh, my word, Nairo, you know, he puts his time up there faster than Pantani, and you know, you know what Pantani means, you know, blood doping, the whole thing. But I think you give, you got, like I said, you've got to step back just a little bit and say, what was the circumstances that Pantani's done it under compared to Nairo? Stage three of a La Provence race. He's probably not at all worn out. He's had the whole uh, winter to, to rest up. Comes across the line, crosses himself, ends up getting a nice win. And, and behind, Hugh Carthy is still trying to do what he can to get back up to at least a second place. I think there's some time bonuses here. So Vlasov is the leader overall. He's still worried about you know his placing overall. And Lutsenko decides to, okay, well, we're going to take at least, I, I guess his thinking for that is instead of leading Vlasov up, he's going to lead, uh, take the time bonus away from Hugh Carthy. But I don't think Hugh Carthy was a detriment overall. You're really looking through Nairo above. So maybe a little weirdness between Lutsenko, Vlasov uh, right there. And then you see, um, look, Gonna have to give it to Sepp Kuss. I think uh, as an American, you know, we're pretty excited. He won the stage last year in the 2019 Volta a España. He ends up popping himself out here to the side and getting a, a seventh place, I believe, on the day. So, look, Nairo, well-deserved win on Vontu. Anytime you win on Vontu, Alpe d'Huez, it's, you know, signature climb. I don't care if you're only going up to the Chile and, you know, tree line and you're not going all the way to the top. Still 9Ks this time of year. Him riding in as a new team, new new kit, Arkea Samsic, Nairo Quintana, Lutsenko in second, a minute and a half back. So he took a minute and a half on those guys. Hugh Carthy, Hugh Carthy is no slouch climbing. Vlasov, Dunbar, Eddie Dunbar over Sepkus, and the rest. You saw Chad Haga, 345 down, uh, 19th place on the day, just you know, around the Warren Bargui stage. So Dominico Pozzavivo and a few others. Nairo Quintana takes the overall win over Vlasov by a minute and four, Lutsenko in second, minute 28, Hugh Carthy, Kelderman, Sepkus, eighth place, 226, well done, pretty exciting, David Godot down there in 10th place overall, and Sam Uman, 20th, Warren Bargui, 15th, maybe Bargui's going to be a little bit uh, replenished for the next year, so coming into stage four, for me, it was pretty exciting. You wake up, I was watching this. Ian Garrison, he is in the break all day. These guys, look at this. So you've got 50-some seconds. There's about 16K. They're going to crest the top of the climb, and you expect and the, the climbers have been shutting this thing down. They had several minutes, and at this point, they're about to crest over the top. And like I said, only 16K with 50-some seconds. But here's what the problem is behind. The problem behind is these guys didn't want Bahani or some of these other sprinters. So the climbers teams and Lutsenko and, and his Astana team, they, they wanted the win as well. So they end up putting the, the fire to, the, to themselves and the whole squad or the whole peloton to the point where they get rid of the sprinters. Okay, well, you come over the top. You've got, you know, 50 seconds down on these four guys up front. But you've got four guys, at least three guys that are pretty damn good time trialists. And with that, you're depleted your own peloton to the point where you don't have the sprinters teams to do some chasing. 
So in the end, comes down to the last K, these guys still have 10 seconds. You got the one Conti rider. He takes sh takes a shot at Bramley and um, Owen Duell and then Ian Garrison, the American, on Dequina Quick Step. And they have a last, what, seven-tenths of a kilometer here. They're only up by eight seconds. How was the pack not? And who was, who was leading on the pack? You had EF Education first. I don't know who they were racing for, kind of in the sense for this last bit. Last kilometer, once again, eight seconds. There's someone in between the field and these three guys. Uh, the Continental Rider takes a shot at it. In the end, you have Israel Startup Nation, Brand Lee, and then Owen Duell. Owen Duell, not the uh, time trialist, but a little bit more of a sprinter than these other guys. He ends up taking the, the post up win. Big one. Remember, 50 seconds coming in the last 16K, 10 seconds, the last few kilometers, and the, they couldn't shut it down. Partly, why? they didn't have a sprinters team to do so so in the end Nairo Quintana he ends up getting his overall GC win Tour de la Provence starts the season out pretty well you're gonna be able to see the finish here uh, one more time Ian Garrison um, you know we've talked about him U23 he, he lit it up last few years he got his chance this year with uh, Quick Step. And his first big race, he gets a podium. So uh, no, more, what more you want from that? Own Duel wins that. Brand Lee is second. Ian Garrison, third place. And overall, Nairo Quintana with Vlasov in second. And Lutsenko in third. Hugh Carthy down there in fourth. So look, great to see that. Once again, Ian Garrison in the sprint, in the break. And um, what, more, what more can you ask for that, huh? All right, let's talk about the Folsom Crit. Folsom Crit happened uh, as a local racing that we have here in Northern California. And it turned out to be huge fields for us. Uh, I don't think I'm going to actually try to, there's some videos I posted on our Facebook page. You can take a look at some of the winners for that. Um, let's take a look at some, and I'll just read off here and go to um, kind of where we have for some results. In the Masters 35, that was a race I did uh, there. We had Josh Wood, he got the best of us in the, for the Folsom bike team. Uh, with Jeff Scott, and maybe we should post, uh, take a look at that video because there, Jeff, Josh Wood came around the corner. He had that clearly won. He posts up way too soon, then looks around, and I think he said he, he this finish line was, he thought it was before him. There's a shadow. Our guy Jeff Scott keeps kicking and almost gets him at the line. It was pretty much a photo finish. Sam Benedict, uh, the actual national time, uh, sorry, national crit champion for the 35s was in third place, Peter Carollin of the Olympic Club in fourth, Michael Sayers in fifth place, and Michael Claudio in sixth. I'll just say um, Jeremy Cattell of Touchstone. So Touchstone had Sayers as well. They got new jerseys out this year. Mike, uh, Jonathan Baker, uh, Chris Baker, Cattell, uh, Mike Sayers, they all looked really good out there, and congrats for those guys. Uh, look at that, Tyler Yonke down in 30, <laughs> 32nd place. Uh, 45, one, two, three, Dean LeBurge, uh, had a great sprint there, winning the field sprint over Chris Baker, uh, for touchstone and Mike Sayers in third for touchstone as well with Kyle Glarum of the Pete's coffee. And then John Fairbanks, man, touchstone one, they got second, third, fifth in there. And then Scott Cox for Pete's, um, pretty good result there. Um, we had, you know, the men's two, three. We'll look at that one real quick. Ken Tsuda, 
and Alex Aikens, and then Jeff Scott of Data Driven Athlete was first. He actually won the field sprint. Those two guys kind of stayed off the front, and the field kind of came all up to them at the end. That race also had, at one point, uh, the race was neutralized. It was neutralized basically for the reason that um, our friend um, Garrett Smith, I think that's his name, yeah, Garrett Smith of the Sierra Nevada racing team. I thought maybe there was a wreck. They had to call an ambulance. It was a kind of horrific thing. But I think it was an issue with asthma, and he had kind of fainted as he pulled off the side of the road. So it wasn't during the race or, or wrecking. I mean, you know, he was standing on the side of the road when that happened. So really glad to hear that he's okay. Um, I haven't been able to, to talk or speak with him, check out. But, um, look, we never want anything real bad to happen to anybody, obviously. And we're really hoping that um, – that he is okay. I did not get a chance to, oops, didn't want to issue a challenge somehow. I did not get a chance to video the women's race, but they had a pretty good field. Look, all these races actually really big fields. Uh, we had in the masters 35, like, you know, 70 some, I think, uh, it was at least that much in the P one, two, I did the P one twos and the 35s, uh, the women's pro one, two, three, they had 20 actually enter the race. And that was pretty stellar for them. Um, but it was kind of, uh, Dominated by the ATX Wolfpack team, Summer Moak with the win, Haley Smith in second, Melanie Wong who was with, um, she was with full, uh, Mike Bikes. I don't know who she, uh, Show Air 2020, I think last year she rode for them as well. But she was back with uh, the ATX Wolfpack. Jennifer Wilson of Los Gatos in fourth, Celine Olberholzer and Eleni Weissman. I thought Eleni, uh, Eleanor Velez, she says here in ninth place, but I thought she was up there a little higher. But Good. It was good to have a little bit more show up for the women's uh, racing this year, at least uh, out there for this race in particular. The men's P123 won by Matt Chatleong. You can see a video of him uh, on Jeff Linder's NorCal Cycling Videos uh, website, or, you know, his YouTube channel. He put a pretty good uh, finished video there. Last few laps, he, they broke it down together. Uh, Luke Lamperti was out there for the Lux um, Sideshow, presented by a specialized team. In second place, and Taylor Vicari of the Chico Cycling Team was in third. Isaiah Chass in fourth. My, Michael of Tarun Elite in fifth place. Look, uh, that race was actually, they had nine preems uh, throughout the day. I think Luke won six of them. Yours truly won the very first one. Honestly, I don't think anyone heard the bell. I came through. I was in good position. I heard the bell. It seemed a little weak. And then when we came through the other side, there was maybe four of us. I got on these guys and I, I did a sprint and uh, easily took that one. Once again, <laughs> I'm almost sure no one knew that there was a pre-lap. At least uh, it, it was odd because the next ones I'm like, oh, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to keep going for these preems. And they, they actually had a crowd preem of $140. And there was, I kind of went for that one. I think I was like fourth, but not even close. I mean, then Purdy's like killing it. Um, I wasn't close on any of the other ones, but, um, Hey, why not keep trying? Because, you know, uh, you know, when you've got, uh, when you got big prizes out there, which they actually had at the Folsom race this year, it was, uh, it was worth actually going for it. So I tried, I got those and I, I at least I got one. I got some, uh, science at sport and some, some beta. I don't know what it is. I haven't even actually checked it out at this point, but I'm pretty excited to try it and, supply my team with it i don't know anyway everybody how about some things that make you go hmm
All right. Well, this week I saw just today uh, Show Air, which we just mentioned, 2020. They saved $35,000 by not registering with the UCI. Whoa, what's going on here? Well, Show Air, they have Chloe Dygart mentioned. Um, they have Nelson Palace's sister, Shayna Palace. She rides for them. They have a pretty good team. I think last year, I know they went down to uh, the tour down under. I'm not sure if they did this year. And maybe this is why you're not really seeing them out and about on the big con on the big stage. But they decided they're Uten they did not renew or take up their UCI Continental license. It would have cost uh, Nicole Cramner, the, the owner there, $11,000 plus an upfront $25,000 bank guarantee. But it was worth it in previous years because it allowed domestic teams to be invited to World Tour events like the Tour of California. As we know, there's no Tour of California this year. That's their big race. So they're not even going to take part of it. So a team like Show Air 2020 races primarily on the domestic scene in Northern California, Northern America, and they don't travel overseas and they're not going to do so this year. So a license, UCI license, or at least it's not worth it with the hefty fees. Uh, Cramner estimates they save roughly 35000 in the UCI fees by instead paying USA Cycling a $400 registration fee to become a women's domestic elite team along with the $350 race clean fee, which will get her team into all of the events across North America. So, uh, perfect. They, like I said, they get to save a little bit of their, their money. Uh, how's that going to affect Chloe Dygart and her uh, racing this year? Well, actually it won't because they said she's mostly primarily doing time trials. And since she's only been doing time trials and she's still, you know, working up to worlds in the Olympics, then that is kind of the, well, the Olympics is their big deal. So that's kind of her focus. It's not going to really affect the team. Once again, tour California has ramifications throughout and one of those is, you know, this, uh, the, the women's uh, show air 2020. Um, now look, is it going to be somewhat bad because some of these, uh, females didn't get a chance to possibly race overseas. I don't know if they would have, uh, I think they, well, like I said, they were at, uh, the tour down under last year. So maybe it would have, uh, maybe it would have made a, a bit of, a little bit of difference. All right. How about some winners and losers before we get out of here? Uh, I'm going to go with the winners of EF Racing and their young Colombian contingent. These three took it to the other teams in Tour of Colombia, and they gave their home town or home country a really good show. I mean, when you're getting first and second, and you're taking it to Egan Bernal. Now Bernal's obviously Colombian as well. Um, remember, Carpaz is Ecuadorian, so he was up there in the mix, but they couldn't allow that to happen. But you say that, and you go like, "Oh, it's home country." All these Colombians are winning. I mean, there's other people there as well. I think Gavin Mannion was uh, top 10. I think it was he there or was he? Yeah, because he was a rally. So, you know, he was top 10 in a stage or two and he, he, was, he was doing fine. Um, but I think when you, those guys are down there and the, the crowds are so huge and these guys are just like, it's their big race of the year. Um, they're obviously motivated for it. This is a big deal for them. And EF came out. Those, those guys uh, really took it. I mean, yeah. Bernal's no slouch. Uh, he won the Tour de France last year. Um, he's a he's a guy to be reckoned with. And so, congratulations to EF and their young guys. They get all their wins. Who has not won a race this year on the on the World Tour? I don't know. I don't know who it is, but uh, I think CCC. I think CCC is the only team that has not yet won a race for a World Tour team. And so, that's uh, keep your eyes open for them. How about how about losers? Well, I'm gonna flip over here. Last, you know, recently I just talked about police and group rides. Well, this week I was involved in a local group ride that we do. Great weather, big group showed up. And what happened? Someone took a picture and posted it on a local, um, it's called Folsom Chat. And they posted it to this Facebook forum. The forum blew up with some sane 
comments from some cyclists, but mostly the community were over the top crazy. And I guess we really, we aren't really as symbiotic as I had hoped. Um, you can see here the post says the cyclists are out creating dangerous situations for themselves and motorists. And it's disrespectful as everyone has to wait behind them the length of Santa Juanita, that was a road. As you can see from the photos, we were they were riding up to six across. Well, that's that's actually <laughs> some of the riders are. I'm going to point out who these people are, but near the back, but it's a little bit much there. Uh, in addition, they didn't stop or even slow down for at the stop signs. Now, that's not completely true. There's a stop sign there. It's a three-way T. It's a T, and the stop does not extend out through the bike lane, so we don't actually have to stop there. So that's not really an issue. Um, I'm assuming that's the one she she was talking about. So actually on that one, we were, we were fine. And you know, this goes back to, uh, one of my police officer friends that, uh, speaking with me, he's like, uh, Hey, maybe you don't remember. There was a time though, we were late for a ride and he goes, and we, I ran a stop sign. And when I ran that stop sign, um, I got a ticket and I'm like, did you tell him you're a cop? He's like, yeah, I told him he, he kind of worked that in there and, and they gave me a ticket anyway. So I don't know, maybe that cop, Maybe he needs to work on his uh, personal skills at work. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I'm not calling him out who he is. He's a good guy, actually. Um, one last thing, let's look at uh, cherry pie. Said they had finally big pies coming in. And uh, so what what, did, what happened with the cherry pie race? Well, yesterday, we'll just go through some of the results here. Women's 4-5, 18 junior, 4-5 podiums. Brittany Brill won the women 4-5. Girls Junior 15 to 18. Chantel Tupaz won that race, the Elite Five Podium. Uh, Akil Santo won that race, the Elite Four Podium. Riley Mullen won that race, the Women P123, 35 plus 55 and 123 podiums. Uh, Danielle Morrishead over Evelyn Hound and Thaler Mize or the one, two, three women, the women 35, no results. So I'm assuming no women 35, one, two, three showed up. Women 55, Elena Yurovsky won that. The junior men four or five podium, uh, Cassius Anderson over Riley Mullen. Um, you've got the masters 35, 55, four or five podiums, David LaPointe over Christopher Flynn. And the Masters 55-4-5, Christopher Rosso over Michael Saba. Uh, let's keep going here. 35 podium, 1-2-3, Will Rafflemacher of the Olympic Club over Jonathan Baker, Touchstone Racing with Dominic Howes of the Loon State Cyclists in third and Dean LeBurge in fourth with Matt Tufts in fifth of Folsom Bike. The Elite Threes, Fisher Curran of Butcher Box Cycling over Griffin Nemitz and Ryan O'Dell. And Ryan O'Dell, uh, Sierra Nevada Racing, uh, Masters 45, Sean Smith, R4R, Make-A-Wish, saw that uh, pictures online here, uh, Michael Foley of Cognition Racing, and then Jonathan Baker, Touchstone in third, Drum Nadal of Thirsty Bell in fourth, Jason Cruiser, R4R, Make-A-Wish. So they went one and five, a little sandwich there. Uh, Masters 55, Greg Chapla wins that for Davis Bike Club. In the men, podium P123, Jeff Linder of Team Mike's Bikes, powered by Equator Coffees, first place over Yuri Gonzaga, and Squadra Tarun, so his old teammate there, and Bradley Wiggs of Valor Factory, presented by OV, oh, I think that's Oak Valley Community Bank, Sam Bassetti of the Elevate KHS team. 
and Chris Reichert in fifth place for Mike's Bikes. So um, well done for all of those guys. I did not make it out there. I saw that they had real big pies this year instead of last year where they had the yeah, last few years. They had little mini micro pies that uh, I got last year. Enjoyed it a lot, I guess. Well, I'll put some comments. Um, look, we had, I don't even know if we're going to be able to go through all these. There's a lot of people had some really good comments. I kind of mentioned those up front. Um, so maybe just check out our mailbag. Some people were, were bringing some things up back and forth. Like I mentioned, just the police officer that I talked to, um, just going to say good guy, good friend, and uh, really good conversation uh, that was, you know, good back and forth. There wasn't hostility. So I appreciate that from him. Um, most people were all that as well. You know, most people say, hey, look, this should have been a warning ticket. I get that. Uh, but if you have comments, concerns, anything else like that you want to put on our show, uh, check out our YouTube page, our Facebook page, um, Instagram, anything else. So this has been episode 160 of the Between Two Wheels podcast. I appreciate everybody joining in. And look, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on our Facebook page under Between Two Wheels podcast. You can do... Um, you can do um, uh, Twitter, like I said, B2 underscore podcast. You can do anything else as far as send us an email, send us uh, whatever you want. Thank you for listening, especially the partners on the show, Chris and Kurt. Are they are they anywhere nearby? No? Anyway, uh, once again, Tyler Yonke, thank you for joining us. Next time, out. <laughs>